Hi, Mike Cousins here from the US Embassy. The Embassy was proud to support TEDx Christchurch in 2019. US Embassy Youth Councillor James Fleury caught up with the TEDx speaker from the US, David Clifford, an American edger agitator. You'll find out more about what that is in the podcast coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what is an edu agitator, if you can correct me on my um, my pronunciation, that would be great. You pronounced that quite well. Um, so my name is David Clifford. I am an edu agitator. And honestly, all that means is uh, somebody who is looking at the status quo of education and always asking, what if? Like, ooh, with, when asking that question, having in one's heart, um, how can we liberate the magic that exists in all humans? The current system was really designed to manage humanity and I feel an edu-agitator is one who is benevolently uh, critiquing our education system um, and again asking what if towards liberation of humanity. Can you tell us three tips or lessons learned to any New Zealanders wanting to work in your area of expertise? (laughs) Um, Three tips. And I'm going to answer this as a white middle-aged man. And uh, and it's coming from years of of experience in humility and constantly uh, curious and critiquing my own role in education and in perpetuating oppression within education. Um, So I think tip number one, um, as a white man, this is for other white men in in, um, uh, who are curious about how to liberate the humanity and others is really uh, developing a deep self-awareness of who you are and your relationship to power and oppression in education in particular because that's my field uh, to develop that self-awareness and to constantly ask so that's the next piece is really be curious um, about how you can interrupt habits that are interrupting the liberation of women (laughs) of people of color and ultimately then all of humanity Uh, so that's that's Developing a self-awareness as a white person, being really curious about uh, exploring ways that you are, we are, as white people, um, getting in the way of opportunities for non-white men. And then lastly, I think is really about practicing creative courage. And creative courage is different than what is popular, which is creative confidence. And creative courage is really, again, going back to asking that question of what if and what now? And um, the courage is ongoing and it will weather every any storm that comes. Confidence is almost a false state of being. I have been creative my whole life and still don't feel confident and that's because I'm always in a state of curiosity and wonder. And through this you've done some pretty ambitious and controversial projects. Um, Where and from whom have you received the most resistance? (laughs) Uh, Where 
So I think of a couple of the things that have been, three things that I think I've been the most controversial, and that is when I was a shop teacher, uh, trying to elevate um, the arts and making with one's hands to the same level as academic rigor. That's one. The other was um, co-founding a school for boys as a feminist act to redesign men. Right, while boys are still in um, the adolescent stage. It's the second uh, most developmental stage in a human's life is adolescence. And I think the other thing which I did was hack design thinking uh, to be more equity driven. Um, I think the most resistance has, oh my goodness, and they're all intertwined. The most resistance is really from people who have really benefited from education. So those that were successful in school, um, and that is, again, um, it transcends race, it transcends gender, although because our system is uh, patriarchal and racist, it does mean that there are more white folk and more men uh, who have benefited from the system. Um, so I, I believe that those, those are the, <laughs> those that have really found success through our education system have been the most resistant and they would never say so. Was it difficult to get students to enroll at the East Bay School for Boys and what was the response of the parents and community? Well, when we first started, we started uh, with 17 families and that wasn't terribly hard because um, those families were so desperate for their boys to love learning because they saw that the system was starting to callous their boys' hearts and their boys' sense of themselves as learners. Um, so they were a radical group of families, right? And so it wasn't terribly difficult there. As we grew and we grew in popularity, um, the hardest part was trying to start a school as a feminist act to redesign future men so it's an all-boys school and it's private and all of those things are messing with people's minds and so they automatically think that if you're starting a school for boys that it's going to be a place for hard boys difficult boys uh divergent learners and um that was difficult. So what we had to really do was really reframe what the purpose of the school was, and that was to um, create a learning environment where we were redefining rigor, to move away from academic rigor, to redefining it that um, being joyous is rigorous, being creative is rigorous, having dialogues around race and gender is rigorous and really actually more essential to 21st century than, than academics. And how do you think your projects like the East Bay School of Boys would work in multicultural New Zealand? That's, um, I believe, so it's interesting, I tried to start a uh, high school, yeah. and one of the goals there was how can we design a school where it's safe for black boys to be black boys. And in design, uh, especially in equity-centered design, you want to focus on people who are at the margins. 
because they are generally the ones who are invisible and who are left behind, right? And so when we were starting this high school and wanting to really focus on where on a school culture where it's safe for black boys to be black, because in the United States, there's almost nowhere where it's safe to be a black man or a black woman. And so if we could go to that extreme to design a culture where it was safe for them, then it would benefit all. Uh, so in the same thing for we felt with the, the the boys school that if we could design a school for a radical user like the middle school boy it could benefit all here I think you are, what's amazing is that you already have systems in place and you have laws in place where uh, Maori the, and the language of the Maori culture is being taught in schools, and there's a treaty that you, treatise that you mentioned. That doesn't exist in the United States, so you are, in my opinion, light years uh, ahead of, of where the States is. And if I can say, as I mentioned too, I, I, I find it really refreshing that I can be in a room with two white men who have the reverence and humility uh, for the Maori culture um, and, and the embracing of it, that you, it's hard to find white men in the United States that, um, that have that. Very rare. Awesome. And just to wrap it up, which project or piece of work are you most proud of? Um, uh, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is my marriage, and it's it's it makes me weepy just thinking about it because it's it is um, learning how to be a thoughtful and and emotionally intimate um, and emotionally courageous man to um, my wife, and as I'm raising two teenage girls, it's probably the most courageous, hardest thing I've ever done because the world is telling me that I need to be out there and in being of service to the world, of agitating, doing all of these things. And I am not trained to, um, to have skills of intimacy, of being fully present fully in my fully in my feminine side and fully in my masculine side in the home so I'll tell, like that is the full real answer of the the work that I am most proud of and I'm still deep deep in that journey and also because I wouldn't be able to do any of this without my home my uh, churangawewe yeah, yeah exactly yeah cool